Good morning. Happy Father's Day. The humidity dropped off on the way to church. That's a blessing. Well, before we woke up, probably. So I have a small confession for you this morning. Everybody knows I preach fast, and I preach, well, if you will, short compared to some people. Well, this message is kind of both. But I really hope it's a blessing. The Lord laid this on my heart a few weeks ago um, and uh, really been uh, studying through it. And and I hope it's a blessing to you. I really do. Turn your Bibles to Genesis 22. It's kind of a serious, more topic. So I printed off some jokes to feather throughout this because, as you'll tell, and those of you who know Genesis 22, what we're going to be dealing with, what we're going to be talking about. So I have found these things... uh, prerequisites of being a goodly father, and, and uh, these are statements and how when we say something, this is how you can transcribe it. Uh, when a man says it's a guy thing, <clears throat> he means there's no rational thought pattern connected with this, and they have no chance of making it logical. So just little things like that that go on. Some of these, I deleted quite a few. I'm like, wow, that's stupid. Who wrote this? Did, you know, and I'm like, this is, this is left-sided, if you will. But uh, I have a few of these for you this morning, uh, and and because uh, I want you to have a good day, and uh, it's Father's Day, and, and uh, uh, it's supposed to be a happy day. Amen. So, turn your Bibles to Genesis 22, and verse number one is where we're going to jump off. The Word of God says, and it came to pass that these things that God did tempt Abraham, and He said unto him, Abraham, He said, Behold, here am I. <clears throat> And he said, Take now thy son and thine only son Isaac, whom thou lovest, and get thee into the land of Moriah. And he took them there, and he burnt offering upon one of the mountains, which I will tell thee of. Verse number 3, Genesis 22. It says, And Abraham rose up early in the morning, and he saddled his ass, and he took two of his young men with him, and Isaac his son, and claved to the wood for the burnt offering, and rose up, And went unto the place where God had told him. And then on the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place afar off. And Abraham said unto the young men, Abide ye here with the ass, and I I and the lad shall go yonder and worship and come again to you. Abraham took the wood and the burnt offering and laid it upon. And Isaac his son, and he took the fire in his hand and the knife. And they both went of them together. Somehow I slaughtered that, excuse me. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for this day. Lord, I pray you speak through me this morning. Give your people what they need to hear, Lord. God, I pray that we walk out of here blessed, challenged, encouraged in your name, Lord. God, I pray for each one that isn't here this morning. I pray you bless them. I pray you encourage them, Lord. Help them to get through another week. In your precious holy name we pray, amen. So, I kind of wonder uh, a little bit about this, and, and as I said, a few weeks I've toiled over this. I've often struggled with things, and I'm just going to be pretty much transparent here. I've struggled with the fact, when you study Job, and it's like, wow, God would allow all this to happen. And you look at Abraham and Isaac, and I'm talking through Bible school years, I've scratched in the back of my head over this, and I just couldn't wrap my head around this. And I understand the principle, the manners and the customs and that kind of thing. We're going to get into that, we'll touch on that a little later. But process this. God is asking him to take his only son and sacrifice him. Think about that. Could you take your son and and take him and 
sacrifice him? It'd be a real, I mean, I'm being honest. Some of you are like, yeah, okay, he's gone off it. This is a legitimate thing. This really happened. If you believe the word of God, this was, this was a Tuesday in their world, and they went to take care of this. Uh, I, I, like, I like Isaac's thing here. This is the only time you hear anything from Isaac dealing with this. And it says, And Isaac spake to Abraham, his father, and he said, My father, he said, Here am I, my son. And he said, Behold the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? It's kind of his, and I don't mean to make a joke of this, kind of his light bulb moment. Like we got wood, we got fire, we're, we're going to do the burnt sacrifice, where's the sacrifice? And, and it's amazing, that's all you hear from him. Abraham says to him, my son, God will provide himself a lamb for the burnt offering. And say both, they both went them together to the place. And he said, and they came to the place in which God had told them from, and Abraham had built the altar thereof and laid the wood in order and bound Isaac his son and laid him on the altar upon, excuse me, on the altar upon the wood. And Abraham stretched forth his hand and took the knife to slay his son. Uh, we're going to walk backwards in this a little bit. I want to show you something uh, back up in the beginning. Uh, let me find it. I'm sorry. I meant to underline it. And it said that he had went there and he had prayed for a time of three days. Where else have we seen a three-day deal in the Bible? Amen. Process that. Yes, sir. So he took his knife. He took everything he had. He built the altar. He took the wood. And he laid it out. He bound his son on that wood altar. Could you imagine? I, I, I don't know if he had the torch pre-lit and, and waiting or, or, or what the circumstances, it really doesn't go into this. And actually, quite a few concordances don't go into, into a lot of detail about this. Uh, but I can only imagine this altar and, and this great pile of wood. And, and, and he's got his son there and bound up on this pile of wood. And the fire's lit. And he pulls his knife out to slay his only son. I can imagine that. I can envision that. The scriptures do a great job of painting pictures. They've spent three days in prayer to God the Father. They've walked all the way up into this point in the very last step. And the angel of the Lord called upon him out of the heavens and said, Abraham, Abraham, he said, here am I. He said, lay not a hand upon the lad. Neither do thou anything unto him, for now I know that thou fearest God, seeing that thou wast withhold thy son, thine only son, from me. He was stopped just in the, just in the nick of time, if you will. I have to wonder if there was a moment of hesitation or if it was just as he went forth, the angel of the Lord called out and stopped him. And verse 13 said, And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked and beheld, and behind him a ram caught in the thicket by his horns. Abraham went, he took that ram, and he offered him up as a burnt offering instead of his son. Can you imagine that morning? I'm sure, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm beyond positive that that wasn't just angel stopping him and oh untie him get him off i'm sure there was a great embrace i'm sure there were tears flowing 
I'm sure it was a kindred spirit between the two. I can't back that biblically, I'm sorry, but could you imagine that? Put your human element into this. And that's exactly what they were dealing with. This isn't, you know, we know the end of the story. We kind of get to cheat on this stuff. But in that day, in that morning, they didn't know the end of that day. Abraham went forth to provide and do what the Lord had laid upon his heart to do and what he had told him to do. We're going to get into that just in a minute. Um, I, I, I have to tell you, I was talking to my, my, one of my good friends last night on the phone real late. I just got done. I was uh, preparing to, 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 that's annoying, to wrap up. And, and uh, uh, my friend called me on the phone. He says, what you doing? And I said, I'm wrapping up for tomorrow morning. He said, oh, yeah. And, and when I pastored full time, we would yak, you know, what are you preaching on this week? And, and we'd nitpick each other's messages, and I'd tell him where he's wrong and, and that kind of thing. And he'd tell me, you know, uh, and, and, I, and I says, uh, I'm preaching on Abraham and Isaac. And he said, we're joined at the hip. He busts out laughing, and he tells me, I'm preaching on Abraham and Isaac. I said, well, with the time change, I'm ahead of things, so watch mine and fix yours. And, and uh, he was preaching on the principle from the son's point of view, and I won't get into that. Uh, I don't want to steal his thunder or tell his church people, you know, what he's doing because they know us, they love us. But, uh, you know, he brought up an interesting point of a message that he had heard on this, and, and I'm not going to steal it, but I just want to plug this here, yeah. That ram that was caught by his horns, you know, as they were coming up the hill and they were getting prepped and they were praying, God was putting that ram in place. Exactly. You notice backed up on, on the verses before and it had said the place. This was pre-marked. This was destined by God for this particular thing. So as Abraham and Isaac were preparing, that, that ram was being prepared. And isn't it interesting, uh, just a side note here, the sacrifices that were given weren't just, you know, whatever, oh, you have a, have a duck with a broken foot, I'll give that. It was the best. They would sacrifice the best they had for these sacrifices. Yeah. And remember, small story here just to fill in the time so you can wake back up. I remember I worked for a print shop. I was a plant superintendent. I ran his equipment side and... and uh, I remember a ministry calling us and, and uh, needing a print shop, and I didn't handle the initial deal. But I got involved when uh, the owner of the company worked for three to four weeks, almost daily, dialing in his printing press. And we tricked it out. I know they threw every bell and whistle we could find at it. Everything we had sitting around, they put better heads on it, and I won't bore you with printing press stuff. But they got this thing dialed in. He got it notched in, got it running perfect, and, and he's telling me, we're going over the load and what's taking, and I decided I would actually deliver this load, and uh, I wanted to go. It was a ministry thing. I wanted to see the place, and, uh, and it was in upstate New York, and I said, what printing press are you going to take them? I'll pull it out of inventory, and he, he was actually printing on it. He said, this one, and I lost it. I'll never forget this. True story. I said, I said you worked three weeks to put this thing together. You worked three long weeks to get this thing right and dial it in and getting it perfect and getting all the toys on it and all that. Some of you guys will understand that, fishing boats, motorhomes, I don't know what y'all do. Uh, but he worked so hard, and he said, James, he said, you give your best to God. He said, I can give him one of my other presses. I can give him a press with less impressions on it. That's how many click times. He says, but I know this one. 
This is the best one I have on the floor. And if I'm going to give something to God, I need to give my best. I've never forgotten that. Let me tell you this morning, if you're going to do something for God, give him your best. That's free. In 1 Thessalonians, oh, excuse me, I want to back up. Since it is Father's Day, uh, let's remember here in Genesis 21, the Lord had visited Sarah and said to him, and the Lord uh, unto Sarah, as he did had spoken, and he said, Sarah, conceive and bear Abraham a son in his old age. And he set the time which God had sent to spoken unto him, and Abraham called the name of his son that was born. You don't have to turn there. I'm almost done. And Sarah bare to him Isaac. He got the father of the year. Could you imagine what was Sarah doing when Abraham, can you think about this? I mean, my wife, when I'm doing something crazy, her radar's going off. She's just trolling in the background waiting for it to explode or something like that. But Abraham, could you imagine, what, what did Sarah do? There's nothing about her in this. There's in the beginning when she conceived the son and the miracle that it was. And there's a lot in there about that. And there's some other issues. I don't want to get off track. But, you know, what was Sarah thinking during this? It's just an interesting thought. 1 Thessalonians 2.4. If you want to turn there, you are more than welcome to. I'll give you a joke while we're waiting. 1 Thessalonians 2.4. Just that verse there. When a man says, how bad is my memory... What he means to say is, I remember the songs to Hogan Heroes, the phone number to my first girlfriend, the vehicle identifications of every car I've ever owned, but yeah, I forgot your birthday. Some of you have never done that. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 4, and it says, But we are allowed of God to be put on trust for the gospel, even so we speak, not as pleasing men, but as God's words, that trieth our heart. Abraham here... And this is the Lord, I, I'm, I'm really excited about this. The Lord really showed this to me biblically, uh, the answers here in this, and why uh, Abraham and Isaac, why this all transpired. But he trieth our hearts. He's not testing us to see if we'll fail or succeed. Granted, that is what our humanly mind takes it of. But to try our hearts, to meaning of what quality is it? Is it good? When they would try gold and try pure aluminum and they would go through and they would, they would make it as pure as humanly, as possible as they could. It would be tried by fire. Fathers, men in this room, I have a profound thought for you. And some of you probably know this, I'm, I'm young. Or, uh, but our life that we've built, the life that we have, you know, how too often is it not our life, but our life is built around others. Our life is built for others. We're constantly indulging in our children. Our life, our kids are watching what we're doing. Other people's kids are watching what we're doing. We are at a point to where our life is not ours. We know this scripturally. Physically, your life is held differently. It's not about what we do and what we say and what we can come up with, but to have a profound effect on our life is being involved in someone else's life. And the minute you realize that, some people realize that when it's too late. Some people realize that after the opportunity to do whatever it was is gone. See, we have a, a responsibility. We also have a mark to hold. 
And if God tells us to do something, we ought to do it. If God challenges us to do something, we ought to be right there, committed, 100%. But when we question God and we stop and we kind of drag our own humanly aspect, our feet, on doing something for God, where does that leave us? More importantly, where does that leave God the next time he needs something done? Have you ever thought that your life is living is not your own? As I said a moment ago, but it's about those that are around you. It's not about ourselves. I went to a funeral last week. A friend of mine's dad passed away. He pastored a church in Napanee for 52 years. And all I can say of the funeral, <clears throat> it was a longer service, but it was okay. It was a goodly heritage. The testimonies that would come uh, from behind his pulpit uh, was amazing. The lives that were saved, the people that were touched, the restaurants that they forbid to never go back to. It was kind of interesting. But I walked away from that funeral. His life wasn't about him. His life was about everyone else. As Christians, our life ought to be about what God has for us, about what God's agenda is. But all too often, it's filled with everything in the world. By the way, just to plug, we really need to pray for our country right now. I'm not going political or anything, but this is getting nuts. This is almost getting scary. We need to be in prayer and God will step in. When you live for something, it's not hard to die for it. We live a life, those that are saved and know the Lord as their personal Savior, ask for remission of sin, and we're forgiven, you're blood-bought. It's not hard to die when you know where you're going. We're not guaranteed tomorrow. James 4.14 says, Whereas ye know not what shall be on the morrow. For what is your life, but even as a vapor, it appeareth for a little time, and then vanish away. How many people do we know as we've spent the last week, all of us, and, and those that are on the Facebook world and scrolling and through and reading the tributes to fathers that have since gone home to be with the Lord, and fathers that didn't know the Lord that have gone on. I'm sure you all have worldly, excuse me, ooh, I don't like that statement. People who don't know the Lord on their Facebook, and you read their, you read their, their comments, and, and you just kind of are left there questioning, man, preaching on the internet's kind of difficult. Uh, the, but it's amazing that they honor their dad. No matter what it is, no matter what lifestyle, no matter anything like that, there's a hidden understanding, if you will, these holidays, they remember. They're left in hurt. They're left in sorrow. The pain is still real that their father's no longer here. For me, Father's Day is okay, whatever, just another day. My family enjoys it. I thank God every Christmas that my dad's still here. We made another year. We did another calendar. Be thankful for each and every day that you have. I have one statement I want to ask you, and I don't mean to offend you, but are you living your life for you? Are you living your life for what's in it for you? What's in this world for you? I just want, to, I want you to think about that. You say, what does that have to do with Abraham and Isaac? Because if Abraham was living his life for him, this probably wouldn't have been in the book. 
Fathers, are you a leader? We lead a good, godly heritage in our families. We have things, we have responsibilities that we step up to and obligations that we are to hold and morals and values that we're to toe that line so greatly that it's unmovable. Trustworthy in an uncertainty times is what we find our place in. Our world is falling apart literally. We have a lot of men in this church that stand and hold that line. We need to teach our boys to do that very same thing and teach our girls to love and honor their dads because they're going to do that when they get married to their husbands. We have an obligation to fulfill. And to do that, it takes work and it takes sacrifice. It's not all play. It's not all fun and games. And quite frankly, it's work. But dads, I just, in our church, it's, it's, it's an honor. We toe that line. We have a great pastor to follow who holds the bar high. In Philippians 3, if you want to turn there, you can. If not, that's fine. I'll read it to you. Philippians 3, verse 13 through 15, and says, Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but the one thing... I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth for those things which are before, I press towards the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Let us therefore, as many of us be perfect, be thus minded, and if anything be otherwise minded, God shall reveal even this unto you. Hold that line, my friends. We need to hold that line. Maybe you're not a father. Maybe you're still growing. You're a child. You, you, you as well have the opportunity to hold that line. As a kid, I did stupid things as a kid. I mastered my locksmithing skills as a kid. We'll leave that alone. Everybody says, oh, well, you go to school to do this? Oh, yeah, sure. Yeah, school. I did do that. I have several certifications. I also have several smooth ways of breaking and entering, but we'll leave that alone. We need to hold that line. There's all too often where you can just check out. We said, oh, we have a troubled kid. We have a, you know, in, in terrible twos and horrible fours, fives and sevens and nines. And, and then we get to the teenage years. Oh, I got a wild teenager. You have an option to hold that line. You make that choice every day. And no matter what you're doing, and, and if you're selling lemonade on the side of the road or you're just being a friend at the park, somebody's getting bullied, whatever. Ezekiel 22:30, and I sought a man amongst them, and he should make up the hedge, stand in the gap before me for the land that I shall not destroy it. And get this, but I found none. I found none. None to stand in the gap. None to mark that wall. We think of the Marine Corps and the Army and the National Guard and all of our servicemen and women, the police and firemen and, and, and paramedics, all these that provide services, unhindered, unbiased services to protect us. What a statement that they found none. 
1 Corinthians 4, 2 says, Moreover, it's required of a steward that a man be found faithful. Faithful in all accounts. Faithful in our relationships. Faithful in our walk with God. Faithful in our word. How many people know people whose word doesn't mean a hill of beans? I know Christians whose word I wouldn't wash my hands on. I don't mean to poke, but I'm dead serious. And you know what I'm talking about. You've been in it long enough. We all know folks that, oh, yeah, we're, you know, yada, yada, whatever. I'm going to go take, yeah, I don't know, whatever. I'm going to go buy that, yada, yada. And, you know, it's like, they ain't doing nothing. They're going to Harbor Freight buying a screwdriver. It's sad. You pray for them. You help them along the way. I'm almost done. Some of you are like, okay, wrap it up, dude. When a man says, I don't remember saying that, it's because anything I have, and it said six months ago, is inadmissible in an argument. In fact, the past comments made are null and void for the last seven days. When a man says that's not what he means, he means if something I said can be interpreted two ways, and one of those ways makes you sad or angry, I meant it the other way. That's right. So... <laughs> I'll give you the last one here. If your husband says, honey, what color is this? He says, all men see 16 colors, like windows, default settings. Peach, for example, is a fruit, not a color. Pumpkin also makes a great pie. I have no idea what taupe is. Some of you know, okay, nobody here knows what taupe is. We thank God for standing in that gap. So here's my answer. Here's what the Lord showed me. And you know, there's times when the Lord gives us an answer to our prayers that we're wanting this big aha moment, you know, lights and sirens and sky and big arrows and flashing neon things. And, and sometimes it's just God using his word. Amen, preacher. The Hebrew verb, and I hope I don't slaughter this, is Nesiah, translated as tempting, means to prove. I mentioned this earlier. The quality thereof. Not tempting to do something wrong. There, there's different tempting there. In 2 Kings 16 verse 3 it says, But he walked in the way of the kings in Israel, and he made his son to pass through the fire according to the admonitions of the heathen whom the Lord cast out from before the children of Israel. I didn't want to speed through that. We look at the pagan and the manners and customs of the day, and this was a thing. They sacrificed. They did it often. Was Abraham as committed as they were to their fake gods, to our real God? That's why the Lord asked him to step up and do this. God was asking Abraham to demonstrate that he was as committed to the Lord as the pagans were to their God. Now, God's not asking us today to sacrifice somebody. Children's sacrifices, things that, that's not done anymore. We give our children to the Lord. I've, I've been in services where babies have been dedicated to the Lord's services. Missionaries go off on, on, into the field and they're prayed over and they're dedicated 
They're anointed for the work that God's given them. Abraham had a mighty task to fill. You know, in a way, I'm glad he did it. And we didn't have to do it. Because I don't know how many folks would make it through it, make it up that mountain. How many folks would load up their Dodge Caravan and do what God's telling them to do here? That'd be a hard pill to swallow. I'm thankful he did it and I didn't have to. This Father's Day, I really hope you walk away blessed. I hope this isn't a very uplifting message. It's a very thought-provoking message. I pray it's a blessing. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, God, I pray this morning, Lord, if there's any here that don't know you, maybe some here, Lord, that, that quite frankly has strife in their life and, and they're not in good relations with their kids or their kids, they're not in good relations with their fathers. And Lord, I pray that you help this year. I hope that they can get that resolved. Lord, taking the time, taking the steps now to do the right thing and to fix things on earth as your word commands us to do to live a righteous life. Lord, I pray that you bless each and every one, Lord. I pray you give them encouragement this week, and I pray that you lift them up. Thank you for your word and the power that it holds. In your holy name we pray, amen.